Conversations with Bob and Sherry is where the extrovert artist meets the introvert engineer. It's where analysis intersects experience. Join us as we explore news and culture to better understand what's true and important. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Bob. What'd you think of the debate last night? Well, I thought that Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley and DeSantis did a good job. You know, DeSantis was pretty much got left alone, which really helped him out. Everybody was attacking. I think Ramaswamy got most of the attack, and that kind of left DeSantis to be able to be more statesmanlike. Mm-hmm. But I thought those three were strong. Um, I think that after this debate, I, I hope to God I would never see Chris Christie again. I don't want to see my Pence again. Um, I think it was painful and embarrassing to even watch the two of them when they start talking. I used to have some kind of respect for my Pence, but after last night, I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they brought the whole room down. And, you know, part of this is what we're seeing with Biden. I mean, vice presidents are chosen for their lack of charisma. You know, they're they're you know, they you don't want a vice president to overshadow the the main, you know, the presidential candidate. And that's what happened with um, McCain. McCain. I mean, McCain had other problems, but, you know, he he had a very charismatic, you know, uh, what was her name again? Um, Sarah Palin. uh, Yes, Sarah Palin. So Sarah Palin's personality and energy and everything just completely overshadowed John McCain. And, you know, that was she complains that they kind of ignored her. And I think that's why. So if you look at Pence, he's sort of the poster child for that. You know, I mean, he was he, he appealed to the Christian voter, which Trump had some issues with. He represented experience and long term. And he but he was kind of boring and low, you know, low charisma guy. And he's still that. So, you know. I don't know. I, I, I agree. I, I thought he brought the whole room down and Chris Christie with all of his negativity. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, the problem I have, I would agree with you. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Ramaswamy and I thought um, DeSantis did OK. I think DeSantis needs to refine his positions better. But I thought he, he did a good job. I really liked when he objected to the raising of the hands. I thought that was a good objection. But I. Nikki Haley to me is not like them. I I felt like Nikki Haley really is just the old establishment go along. And I the thing that concerned me a lot was when her and Chris Christie were beating the war drums. Man, when they were dumping out all that fear of you know look at all the horrible ugly things Putin 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 because that's what got us into Iraq. That was, you know, and at the time I bought into it. But, you know, Saddam Hussein's an evil, horrible guy. Look at all the terrible things he does to all these people. And then I find out later that that was all a political, you know, ideological think tank thing orchestrated as far back as 1998. So that was a foregone conclusion. I mean, it was it, we were lied to. And, you know, I didn't believe that at the time, but, you know, and, and that's where Trump created a lot of problems for himself was when he attacked the Iraq war, at least with the never Trumpers. Well, I so think anyway, I'm just all- real skeptical of this. We got to be there and we got I mean, I'd rather hear a more balanced like, yeah, I understand the risk here, the risk there. And Ramaswamy said it. You're pushing China and Russia together. 
Absolutely. So. I mean, the the best foreign policy was what Trump put together because there was no war during Trump's time. He kept everybody at bay. He kept every possible alliance um, at bay for each other. His move to go see um, Kim Jong-un for North Korea was genius. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize how genius that is, right? Because... North Korea, ultimately, in order for North Korea to stand out, they would rather align with the United States. I know it sounds crazy because mm-hmm. they're under the thumb of China. If they right. can start aligning with the United States, they can get out under from China, which they're a small country. So that was a genius move to show the world, look at North Korea, where the Western world is welcome you with open arms. Because ultimately, when you become um, the leader of a country, Kim Jong-un is young. He and admire Western culture, you know. And yeah, if if we would have continued Trump's foreign policy as he did, we wouldn't have the Russian war right now with Ukraine. We would not have problem with China right now. And I don't think I was very frustrated at the time that that the media is pushing this such a negative thing about Trump meeting the president for North Korea. That was such a chess move. It's amazing. And and I I have to say something about Mike Pence. You were talking about vice president and the charisma thing. I don't think anybody could have overshadowed Donald Trump. I don't (laughs) care who you think. That's a good point. Um, So, go ahead. Um. Oh, and yeah, I was just going to say the same thing with Putin. I mean, you know, Christie kept harping on Trump saying he's a strong leader, he's a smart guy, you know, and all that was softening the guy up. I mean, you know, he was he would say things like that publicly, but then privately he was tough on these people. I mean, we know that on China. He was in public giving the Chinese leader all the face. Right. And for the for these people, saving face is the most important thing is beyond money, beyond power. So if you have uh, the United States president in on the world stage to say, hey, I love you. You are fantastic. Let's be friends and yep. blah, blah, blah. And and um, and then Trump was tough on China in so many ways. But because he publicly praised Xi Jinping so much, Xi Jinping just go like, OK, I guess we have to pay the 16 billion dollar tariff. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the last thing you want to do you. So you tell me that the. Putin is an evil dictator, mm-hmm. you know, so he's egotistical, he kills people, this is his personality, yeah. then isn't a better way to handle that, to massage his ego publicly and then privately hold his feet to the fire? Yeah. I mean, you know, so you don't have this. The whole thing that makes me nervous is the fear-mongering. So what I heard from Chris Christie and from Nikki Haley, not as much as Christie, but definitely from Nikki, it was fear. You've you know just fear and hate towards Putin, Putin, Putin. And this this the things that those troops are doing are not necessarily Putin. They're doing them. 
You know, you send your troops in there. You know, yeah, he's letting it happen. But it's so much easier to say, here's the devil. You know, Putin, put devil horns on him. Let's get everybody, you know, afraid and angry and hate him. And then we as a government can do whatever we want. I mean, that's what they did with COVID. That's what they try to do with climate science. I mean, this is not science. This is not leadership and decision making this is just getting the you know dumbing down using people's emotions so that you can do whatever you want and that's what they're doing i have the alarmism and fear i'm very yeah. skeptical of it i want to hear nuance i want to hear rational discussion about the risks and the and the benefits of why we're doing what we're doing and i do agree with the republicans when they say that Europe has to step up and pay their share too. Why is it always us paying a disproportionate amount of the cost? Well, this is where I like what Trump said on multiple interviews when they say about what do you think about the war? What he what he said, and I'm paraphrasing it. He said, "I don't want to see people die, no matter." Right people in Ukraine, no matter people in Russia, I just don't want to see anybody lose their lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is such a human thing to say, right? Right. Um, he's not demonizing anybody. He said, how would you like it? You're living in an apartment and all of a sudden a rocket comes in and the whole family get killed. That is a human thing to say. The Russian soldiers doesn't want to fight. The Ukrainian people doesn't want to fight. Who wouldn't want a peaceful life. So I really like what Trump said about that Ukrainian war on that in, in such a human level versus mm -hmm. this uh, it's almost like this cartoonish wow, yeah. kind of like a, you know, there's a devil here, we're going to fight it and you know, it reminds me when I was a kid um, China used to have these movies, right? It's propaganda movies and you know, when you're a child, you look at it, you're like, oh, my God, the Americans are evil and Japanese are evil. I mean, it's amazing. You know, when they get killed, you're like, great, the Japanese got killed. We won. And then as you get older, you realize, wait a second, that is a human being on the other side, too. So mm -hmm. if you kill a Japanese soldier, United States soldier, they also right. have family that will grieve for that person. So. Um, yeah, I don't like the warmongering because, but unfortunately, there's a lot of big business in this country. It's profiting from war and from pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, so you're right. And it and helps incumbent politicians too. We're right. out here fighting the evil enemy. You know, vote for yeah. me. It helps. It helps. So, so anybody who pushes war, and you know. Yesterday, when uh, Nikki Haley said you, you, you're wrong with the foreign policy to Ramaswamy, he's a businessman, right? He's young. He's right. He wants to see a good future for his family. He's not in the trenches in the p political world. This is how a lot of politicians makes their money, profiting from these big donors and profiting from, yep. uh, the, you know, the war machine. So, um, one of the things. I want to say that I found very refreshing with Ramaswamy is his love and passion for United States and his founding as a son of immigrant. Yep. I love that because you don't see that much anymore. Like he carries that almost childlike passion to this country, which 
a lot of immigrants can identify, right? Because we come in. I just my I, my father just had his 80th birthday, and mm-hmm. I have all my aunts, aunts and uncles there. And what they're saying is, what they're saying to me is that, gee, my generation, we come to this country, we have to work hard, you know, we. We have a language barrier, but now look at our our next generation, which is me and my cousin's generation. We're doing better than they did. And then now we're looking at my sons and their grandchildren, you know, my father's grandkids. Now, my son can be like Ramaswamy. I'm not saying my son has any political ambition at this point, but it, it, it's it's a message of hope that I think Ramaswamy is giving to the young people rather than this gloom and doom, hey, your country, you know, that kind of thing. So I really appreciate that. It's literally the recipe to solve what everybody sees as a problem, and that's the divisiveness and, you know, the division and distrust within the country. His if If anybody wants to watch, spend a minute, a minute, six seconds, and watch his closing speech. He starts with, um, you know, talking about him growing up, born in 1985. He's a millennial. He said they were talking so much about um, diversity and, and, and things like that. He goes, we forgot that we're all the same as Americans. He said, and we shared a common set of ideas from the time of the founding. And then he listed 10 things. Now, these are 10 foundational beliefs they're his campaign, is what it is. But the Ten Commandments, right? He he lives in uh, God is real. Not the Ten Commandments. He, he says things. Now, and you you may <laughs> not agree a hundred percent with his ten things, but his point was there was a time in America where everybody agreed on some fundamental, basic principles: right, wrong, good, bad, that kind of thing. And that is exactly what happened. And now we're being divided because people are bringing in other ideas. And I believe, so the problem is the the identity politics, it's fueled by there's good people and there's bad people. Good people, bad people. Well, on the right, we have the conspiracy people. It's the same thing. They think we're going to solve everything by exposing the conspiracy. You know, if we elect Trump, if, if, you know, I mean, I got into a discussion with a friend and this came, I came to the realization, and I didn't know this, but he believes if if the frontline doctors, you know, the the uh, election of Trump, if all we do is expose the evil conspirators, they'll be taken down, and then everything will be fine. And that's not realistic. I mean, the problem is not good people versus bad people. It's we don't share the same set of values and beliefs. So we need to be talking about our ideas and beliefs. And that's exactly what Ramaswamy was talking about. It's it's common ground for all of us. I think one of the reasons the government definitely have a big interest and the media has a big interest in dividing people in this country because, number one, our government has grown bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's a lot of bureaucracy going on, a lot of people relying on government to make a living. So the bigger the government grows, the more lazy people can work for the government and they don't have to perform very well. Um, They can just you know, be mediocre and less and they still can make a living. And these are normally other people that connected with the politician. And a lot of our politician has made millions and millions of dollars 
from being a politician, like Nancy Pelosi. She just bought a $20 million house in Florida, and she's a California politician. It's like, well, so, you know, she, her herself, is buying her retirement home in a red state. What does that tell you? And if you look yeah, at Yeah, a lot of people age, are. Yeah. If you look at the age of all these senators, it is sad that we have an 80-year-old senile president. We have Dianne Feinstein can't even talk. Mitch McConnell can't even talk. What happens is in this country is that you have all these old, old politicians has been in power for decades. And nobody wanted to vote on term limit because they're profiting from not having a term limit. So to see such a diverse group of people yesterday on stage and being able to exchange ideas, I think it was great Trump wasn't there because if Trump mm-hmm. was there, we wouldn't hear all these people's Ideas. I, I hope he's not going to be there again next time so we can see what these people are about. Chris Christie's sole purpose, I believe, is to come on the debate stage and bait Trump to lose it. And he didn't get that. And in turn, he kind of exposed himself for being an idiot. How many primaries has he been in? I mean, he like... He's like a professional loser of primaries. Why does he keep coming back and he doesn't never performs? First of all, who's going to vote for him? He's so, no. I mean, nothing against, you know, I'm not body shaming him, but as the president on the world stage, I don't think we want somebody that obese to be the president. My God. I mean, you, he's going to have heart problems. Well, I should not say that. We have a senile <laughs> president right now. Pretty so, shallow. Yeah. <laughs> Image is terrible. But um, I think that's oversimplistic. But yeah, I mean, there's a vibe to physical appearance. But here's what I think the problem is. So several of the candidates, Ramaswamy included, were asked if there should be an age limit. And Ramaswamy said, no, the voters can decide. Let the voters choose. The problem with that is, in order for the voters to choose wisely, you need to have an unbiased press. That was part of the First Amendment. Look at what happened with John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. I mean, the Democrats held out right. from the debate, okay, until after several hundred thousand mail-in ballots were cast. Yeah. Then they did a debate. The whole state, the whole country got to see his physical state was not at all what was being reported. But then even after it came out, the media defended him. They talked about it like it's discrimination and you can't do this. He's disabled. We got to treat it. It was it was just it's like a crime against the American people that this wasn't accurately reported. The Republican or I'm sorry, the Democrat Party should have been held accountable for what they did to the voters. They deceived the voters. And he he won by less than the number of votes cast for him before the debate. I mean, that tells you right there he probably would not have won if the debate had been done or if the truth had been reported. So So that's the problem. I agree. The voters should be able to decide. But what 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 do you do when the press won't hold both parties equally accountable? 
Well, here's what I have a problem with. So in the Constitution, and it says in order to become the United States president, you have to be 35 years of age. You have to be a natural born United States citizen, right? Well, if, if there's no top limit, why don't we just have no age limit at all? And then I think that to, to say, I'm just saying this as, as if I was, well, why do you have to be a natural born American citizen? That's discrimination, right? So why do you have to be 35? You don't think people 18 is qualified enough? I mean, it's absurd that if we have an age limit for how young you when you can enter the race, we should have a top limit because when you're 70, 80 years old, you a capacity of working or thinking or whatever is not you. Yes, you have life experience, but you're not going to have the physical strength to continue going. Now, here's the thing. I think Trump is exceptional. I mean, the wow. guy is just like. He's like, I, I don't know how he does it. You're contradicting yourself with my argument. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how he does it because I don't think any, a younger person can do. I mean, Rama's Swami is definitely matching the mm-hmm. energy level with Trump. But I just don't. I think there's got to be an age limit on the top end, too, because then you you will be avoiding. I mean, are we going to have two 80 year old now again? Running for president? I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, I think that the um, discussion over naturalization is, is a different discussion. But I think if you talk and the issues behind an upper age limit or lower age limit are very, very different. So, I mean, if you look back on your childhood, like I, I got into a discussion with my daughter on vacation. She was saying she basically made the argument that an old person cannot represent the interests of a young person. And I thought that was silly because I said, can a young person represent the interests of an old person? I and think she the- thought they could. No, I think my it's point the being, around. an old person has been young, young before. Sure, sure, times have changed and everything, but there's there when this when my daughter gets to be fifty, she's going to realize the error in what she's saying. But an old person has been young, so yes, you can't say an old person can't represent a young person, but I can say a young person can't exactly represent an old person. They've never experienced that. Well, so, I don't. There's, so a, I, there's definitely a valid reason to have a minimum age. But as far as a maximum age, I don't agree with. I think there there should be fitness requirements after absolutely. a certain age. But you're basically lumping Trump and Biden and, you know, some somebody with Alzheimer's all into the same bucket based on age. Um, you know, Trump and Biden, mentally, there's no comparison. So no. it would it would no. actually be discriminatory against Trump to say because of your age you're not mentally capable of serving. That's but what the Biden, Democrat, it's just true. That's what Democrats said about Trump when they elected Trump. Didn't well, they? they don't like him. They don't so, like his personality. I, I so they exactly. say that he's crazy and he's yeah. dangerous and things like that's what they use. But the the whole reason they say those things and feel those things and they just don't like them. 
Well, but and, and there's no Biden's- mental acuity issue. There's no doubt that Biden has, you know, problems. I mean, well, look at how right. he handled Maui. Well, what I'm saying is, if you think about it, Democrat is saying that about Trump, but not saying that about Biden. So they're oh, sure. they're hypocrites. And, well, and Biden doesn't have press conferences anymore. Oh yeah, he can. And I when mean, he does, when he does speak off the cuff, he always screws it up. But you know, for for the Maui thing, he said no comment. And then when he went down there, he told his little story about, oh, I know what it's like. You know, we once had a fire and almost lost my Corvette and my dog. I mean, you know, they said it was like some minor little thing in his basement or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was put 20, out. It was, it was 20 minutes. They put it out. was put well, out in 20 minutes. He has no, and he's, you know, apparently he said something about hot walking on the hot sand. He knew what it was like. He has no idea what those people went through. <laughs> well, here's what I want to tell you about that comment he made in Maui. It was shown all the conservative radios and the conservative streaming services. There you go. You watch NBC and CNN. Nobody will see that. Like no. so, it, so half of the country saw that comment. The other half did not well, see that comment. That's what I say. The the bias in the media is a huge problem. So you know, I think the answer, the correct answer, is the voters should decide. But the problem we have, and I don't know how to solve it until the. It's actually going to take the people to tell the media. Hey, 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 here's my challenge. Here's my way of solving it. Stop watching TV news. I've stopped completely. I don't watch any cable news now at all, and I don't let social media articles, people posting, I don't follow those either. I read the newspaper, and it's it's a world of difference it, because somebody else is not deciding what news I dig into and read. And right. every story I look at, I get a much more by you know unbiased nuance to cut now it takes more time you have to you can't just read headlines you have to read through it and i gotta tell you i subscribe now to wall street journal new york times uh new york sun which is okay i did it because it was i did all these because they were cheap and then the epoch times epoch times has a lot of content yeah i like epoch times I, i yeah, I'm, I'm not in. I need to engage more of the video content. They got some really interesting and good quality video. But TV news is entertainment. Right. I don't care if it's actual news or if it's uh, uh, you know a commentary. It's entertainment. Sit down and watch cable news. Let it run for two hours, and you're going to see about three or four s- stories recycled over and over and over. There is so much more going on out there, and you know, I mean. To the point I, I discovered what Biden is doing for the microchip problem between China and the U.S. and Taiwan. It's I'm, I was amazed when I saw what was happening. Wait, and as far that, as I know, no one's reporting that. But was Biden doing it or his other people doing it? I don't think Biden is the reason well, it happened. Um, it was the Biden White House. I don't know who right. started it, but they passed a uh, what they call it last summer. They passed the Chips and Science Act. So the Chips and Science Act is, is said that we're going to take for the complex microchips, we're going to do manufacturing and development here in the United States okay. for national security reasons. This is something you and I talked about on, on here a lot. Right. Um, they've invested uh, $39 billion of taxpayer money. They've hired a group of three dozen private industry professionals ranging from age 23 to 64 
Nearly half of them are women, so they got the whole diversity thing. But these are completely separate, independent technology experts and investment bankers. And the $39 billion is basically seed money. So they act like venture capitalists or, or private equity fund would. They're, they've, they put out... This is these are sort of bids they put out to companies. They've got 460 responses. So now they have to evaluate all 460 of these companies and decide who they're going to give the money to. Now, the actual cost over the next, I think it's like 10 years, to develop all this chip manufacturing is $3 trillion. This well, is just seed money. The government is doing this to get, this is like a startup. So these they're, they want to fund some of the fundamental research and things for companies to, to get to a point where they can attract private investment. But it all has to be manufactured here in the U.S. And we'll see, because it sounds, sounds to me is a lot of, you know, this money is going back to pay some of the favors now that you read it. Well, we'll see what happens because okay, I one, of the, one of the statements by these independent, you know, private industry experts. Uh Um, The big challenge Okay, this is Gary Or I'm sorry Yeah, Gary Clyde Hubbauer He's a non-resident senior fellow At Peterson Institute For international economics So he's on the team He said politics always takes over The big challenge for the team Is expected pressure from the White House And Congress to steer funds To favored constituencies As the 2024 election season heats up, he predicts the program will become less on chips and more on creating happy stories for job creation. We'll so see. he acknowledges and he's, he's public about the fact that he, they're worried about political influence on here because there are no bureaucrats on this team whatsoever. We'll see. We're going to, you know, the only way you're going to see whether this is going to be successful and actually meant to do what it is to follow the money and then see where it's all going. How many people know what I just read? Well, not too many people. Not too many people. So that's why I'm saying stop watching the news. The news on TV is entertainment. I mean, this is actual information. I don't think you're going to stop people from watching the news. I mean, the fact that... You might have all the time to read into this, but people like you are going to be very, very rare. Then Um, know. Then know what you're watching is entertainment. It's not giving you the full picture. It could be 100% factual, but it's selective. They're choosing what they want you to know and not know. I have a friend vote based on, um, you know, Milano. What's the goal goal of Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC? What is their goal? When they when their executives get into a room and they talk about their business, what is their ultimate goal? To get ratings. It's the same as your your business. It's to right. make more money. Exactly. Okay. It, you know, sure. Somewhere in there is a, a a mission to provide journalistic. But I, you know, from my viewing of it, the the goal to make money as an entertainment business is has far surpassed any journalistic. Aspirations they might have. I so, think. I think for everyday people, Bob, for everyday people that are living their lives, the only way they're going to start paying more attention is when things are directly impacting their lives. Well, when, when will they know? 
And when they know, how do they know how to interpret what's impacting their lives? I mean, you've got Biden out there telling everybody Bidenomics is a great success because it slowed inflation and, and job, you know, unemployment is there. So, I think people are start feeling it more and more. And I feel, you know, being that we're, you know, my husband and I have a restaurant, you talk to people, like people that just work Mm -hmm. every day, that does not read Wall Street Journal like you do. And, um, well, then then listen to me. (laughs) Tell me what you want to know about. I, I mean, I'll give you the truth. So, The point being, this is all good. This is a good thing. The other part of the act was to say that uh, we're not allowed to send these chips to China. This is for uh, military reason. So we'll see. I'm skeptical. The most recent the most recent event is that company uh, investors were investing uh, U.S. money into China. So for China to develop their own. The federal government just put a put a Biden signed an executive order to stop that. So you are no longer allowed to uh, Americans are no longer allowed to invest in microchip research for certain high you know complexity high tech microchips in China. So Don't get around it. You know, you you can say it won't happen, it won't work, but you can't deny that it's the right thing to do. It is the I right mean, thing. It's everything it's everything you and I've been talking about. I'm surprised it took this long to have it happen. And um, well, but let, let's look into this. So, what's going on in China? I mean, China's not doing well economically. I mean, China's debt is worse than the U.S. Not federal debt, but when you accumulate all the debt of the local provinces and the local municipalities, China is in much greater debt than the United States. They're dependent on other uh, outside investment to to keep the country going. It's it's mostly due to their infrastructure investments. They use central planning instead of a free capitalist market where 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 people think they can make money, they they go and they start a business. And they do in China. They have directed capitalism. So they said we're going to build apartment buildings and roads and cities and you know so they kind of try to direct it and you know they have a glut now of of millions and millions of apartments that are unfinished that nobody wants they've run out of money they can't fund this anymore well bob you know you know how how long that's been happening with these abandoned apartments oh i know i've been reading about it for a long time I'm saying it's it's all coming together now where, you know, they've cut off investment in China. Their imports are way down. The American imports from China are at 20 year lows. It, the, the current rate of import that we get in China is, uh, is equa- equivalent to about 2023. I'm sorry, 2003. And. Part of that was Trump's tariffs. So when Trump put tariffs on it, that started companies moving away from China. Then with COVID, China stayed locked down, if you recall, way longer than everybody else. So companies couldn't get their stuff manufactured in China. So they moved, you know, moved over. And, you know, now with the declining investments, so China is in big trouble with exports. That's another part of the reason why they're aligning so closely with Russia. They've, They've doubled... You know, Russia was importing 25% of their cars from China. It's now 50%. Well, I tell you what, yes, 
China is not doing good. But over five, six thousand years, China has always went through economic downturn. And during the so is the U.S. Right, but the 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 thing with China is because of central planning, the government doesn't really give a shit about the people. I mean, we know that. Right. They, nobody's voting. They don't. They they're gonna stay in power. Everything Xi Jinping is doing is try to stay in power. The only time things going to go through a dramatic change is when Xi Jinping passed away. Just like what happened with, Mao, you know, Chairman Mao. Chairman Mao passed away. The country went to a big spin. And, you know, I was just told um, by a very reliable source that, Xi Jinping offers every Chinese citizen to catch spies is 500,000 yuan. So if I go back to China, I'm worth 500,000 yuan. I have to watch what I do, what I say. If I say something wrong, somebody hand me to the government, they get 500,000, right? And now they're teaching kids from kindergarten to watch what the parents say in China. So mm-hmm. now we're going back to the time of the Cultural Revolution. Wow. Because this is exactly what happened. So, yeah, China is in decline, but China has been in decline before, and they have to came out. But yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a presidential change in the will of the people. It's a, re, it's a dynasty change. So it's from one emperor to another one, right? So we'll just, we'll just have to weigh it out. But... Um, I believe eventually, I mean, China's not going to collapse, but probably just going to go into another big decline. Like, all well, 5, I mean, but we, we, we have to acknowledge that a, a lot of our talk on here has been saying that the China's defeated the U.S. That the, that the U.S. and you know that's not happening. So just as everything you're saying about China is not going to go away, neither is the U.S. I mean, China oh. is not this economic dynamo power. You know, over the U.S. The problem with the U.S. right now is because, I mean, our president's compromised by Russia and China and whoever the money come from, because now we're finding all these millions and millions of dollars. So other country is taking advantage of the situation. So we don't have if, if 2024, we do not elect a tough president and to start reclaim our power of from the world and will be continue to decline well i don't think we lost power but the um we're definitely not like as strong as we we're not looking that great china's <laughs> facing deflation they have huge unemployment in youth 18 to 24 their unemployment is is enormous um, and and they have low consumer spending. They say the low consumer spending is because of the lack of a social safety net. So like you were saying, and this is something I had never thought of, but in that respect, Social Security actually spurs consumer spending. So Chinese folks are not spending their money. They're hoarding it for their retirement, and you know that's <laughs> slowing their economy. Deflation means products are selling for less money, meaning the companies now have to cut expenses somehow um you know it, it so they're in a in a in a very difficult economic situation but yeah like any large country they'll make adjustments they'll try to get out of it um but i think the biggest risk we have right now is that's why they're cozying up so much to russia 
because they need the resources that Russia has, and they need to export more to Russia to make up for the deficit. And where's a good place for them to get chips? I mean, they're, they're not sitting down going, well, we're screwed. We don't have microchips. Obviously, they're trying to develop it, and the U.S. is trying to do everything that it can to slow that down. But it's more incentive to invade Taiwan. I mean, it's not just some legacy thing now. I mean, it's, it's like a matter of their national security so, and the future so of their economy. I know, but you're reading this newspaper, and you're reading the article. And I'm reading economics. I interrupt our conversation. As I was editing, I saw the disconnect when it happened. I didn't see when it happened live. Sherry made reference to article that I read. She questioned the accuracy of the article or an agenda behind the article that I supposedly read getting all this financial stuff that I've been saying. I did not read one article. I was not regurgitating someone else's narrative. I read a dozen or so financial news pieces talking about the Chinese economy, different aspects of it. These were not op-eds. These were not political. They were all basically financially, here's what's going on in the Chinese economy. Just like you would read here in the States when the Fed speaks or when they get a new economic report, like a jobs report or something, and then they'll talk different parts of the economy. I use these data points to try to figure out what's happening. I also did separate searches looking to un better understand certain concepts like deflation. I tried to learn what deflation is, how it impacts economy, because if inflation is bad, you would think, okay, deflation sounds good, right? Well, economics isn't really like that. Almost just about everything has a good side and a bad side. And it's a matter of how these things come together. The narrative that I'm giving, the cause and effect in the chain of events and how that affects Russia and how that affects Taiwan, that was all me. But Sherry seemed to think that I read one article and that I was treating that as the authoritative everything about the Chinese economy. And I was just sort of regurgitating that as we go. And that is not at all what happened. I took an interest in the Chinese economy. So I'm spending time understanding it. My goal here is not to find a narrative. My goal is not to affirm any beliefs that I have. My goal was to understand, to learn about what's happening in the Chinese economy and better understand how that affects these global politics. And that's what I was trying to bring to you know the listener, the viewer. So if you're watching on video, you'll see my face where I'm like totally confused. I have no idea why Sherry keeps saying what she's saying and she's not hearing what I'm saying and probably vice versa. So... We now resume our regular program. Okay. You completely believe what this article reported is is the right information. There is absolutely a interest for United States to propaganda China is not doing that good. Because on the other side, I'm telling you, on the other side, I watch well hold on. I watch the Chinese news every night, right? CCTV for in Chinese in China. Now, I believe that's also propaganda in China. They're saying how great we're doing, how terrible of course they are. Right. So who who in this country is saying how great we're doing? What media outlet is saying that we're we're the world's power over China? I don't know of any. OK, but 
the now the newspaper articles and how terrible. I'll give you an example. I traveled to China twenty years ago with many Americans. Okay, and I took a lot of American there that has never visited China, and there. They go to China. They're like, "Wow, we thought everybody's holding a red book and you know wearing these green uniform. We cannot believe how thriving Chinese people are. And look all the food. And everybody said, 'Oh, kids in China is hungry.' And we come to this. You know, I'm sure there's hungry people in China. There's poor situation. But what I'm saying is, you say, 'Okay, you're reading economics. It's an economic reporter by United States reporter. Okay, so.'" You, somewhere in the middle, there's some truth to it, but somewhere there's also propaganda. You think that the, you think that these economic global, by the way, throughout the world, you think that these economic reports are are made up, that they're they're fake. I'm not saying they're made up. I'm saying they're going to lean towards against saying China is not doing good. I'm not saying they're made up. I mean, if that's the case, we should believe in everything globally. Everybody says. Right. Well, I just I'm just very you're, you're talking about culture. You're talking about culture and dynasties and history and things. I'm just talking about economic realities. OK, we as the United States have an issue where we, we are so we inwardly focused. We don't no, see what's going on there. in the world. And there are economic realities to what's happening in China. I mean, I'm not saying everything's wonderful and great. Why is it? Why do you have a hard time accepting the fact that their economy is not doing well? I'm not saying I don't have a problem accepting the fact, but you can't read this as the absolute truth either. Because if you go to China right now, you're going to see there's a lot of wealthy people. People are living their lives. It's not everything you read is not absolute truth. I'm well, not saying you, you can. How many how many wealthy well. people are in the United States? How many people? The cost of gasoline and the cost of food is a non-factor whatsoever. I don't know. But well, well there's a lot of them. You wait, know that. Wait a second. Just because there's wealthy people doesn't mean that the economy is not in trouble. Well, here's, here, I'm going to tell you why. Because you have, the United States have 380 million people, right? Let's just add a few more millions because we have an open border now. China has 1.5 billion people. So... Even a small percentage of a rich people in China is more than the rich people in the United States because now here's the thing. The middle class in the United States is way bigger. But if China have 680 million, the Chinese government say we brought 680 million people out of poverty. I tell people, well, there's still 900 million people in poverty. But 680 million people is twice the size as the United States. That's what I'm saying. I'm so saying what, what, that, how does that affect anything that I said? How does I'm that counter anything that I said? You're saying, oh, you know, China is in decline. So as the United course, States. Yeah, absolutely. They're in decline economically. That explains a lot you know, of what's happening. And, and it, also, it also informs you to understand the risk that we face in Taiwan and the issues that are going on. I mean, this is just information. I'm not sure why you're so worried about it. Well, I'm not worrying about it. I'm just saying you look at the newspapers that these are the absolute truth. I'm saying you should read it with skepticism. As much as you, you don't think I read news with skepticism. 
Well, I mean, you're like, oh, you should look at my you. You should go back and watch my YouTube. <laughs> There's no harsher critic of the media than me. Right, but what what I'm saying is, you can read this newspaper, and I did the same thing when 20 years ago when I was like, I'm, I'm not reading any opinion pieces. I'm not reading any pieces that are extrapolating out and saying, because of this, you should feel this way about Xi Jinping or China or Biden or anything else. I'm just reading economic reports. I mean, did you know China stopped reporting on youth unemployment? They're just not reporting the numbers at all now. What is, what is the youth unemployment in the United States? I, I don't know. Okay. Well, well, you, you, you seem to think that this is almost like a sport. You know, that one team has to win or anything else. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just economics, okay? Well, it's well, it's the yes. state of the economy. I, and those economics are going to influence the actions of that country and where their interests lie. Well, Chinese— you know, So that should help inform our foreign policy and how we handle it. Well, our foreign policy right now is not to— Make sure China does not. Our foreign policy is making sure China doesn't reveal, expose all what Biden have did or done and collected from China. That's our foreign policy right now. Our foreign policy, everything we're doing from the White House is benefiting China, is benefiting Russia, Ukraine. I mean, look what happened. Who are we giving money to? Where who our foreign policy benefit to is every country Biden collected money from. That's our foreign policy right now. Well, and you know what? Another thing is our military uh, recruitment is down. Our police recruitment is ground. Crime is over United States. Homelessness is over United States. And let's look at our... Let's you know what it feels like, Sherry? It feels like you're being defensive, like I'm attacking China, so you're responding oh, no, by no, attacking I'm the U.S. Defensive. I'm saying... Forget about China for right now. Let's t look at how do we solve our own problem. Our youth, the, the test score is down. You know, I mean, you said China. I'm not saying I'm not trying to defend China. I'm the, probably the worst critic for China. But you have to. But you're saying all the information I have is wrong. It's untrue. It's, it's I'm not propaganda. saying untrue. I'm saying because it's you don't not like necessarily it. absolutely true. It's not necessarily yeah. true. You so China have a deflation right now. So that means Well, they're on the brink of deflation, but yeah. Okay, so things could be more affordable, right? Well, we, yeah. Okay. The economics are, we have a deflation right now. Ec economics are complicated, but yeah, we if there's not, you know, people tend to think there's one good like in, in the US, right. they'll report that Credit card debt is high and savings for retirement is really low. So this is really bad. There's a potential catastrophe looming because when these people retire, they're not going to be able to take care of themselves. OK, that's one side of it. But one of the things I recently learned in, in reading all this stuff, there's a negative side to them not spending as well, because consumer spending helps keep an economy going. And, you know, so while in the U.S., you could put present cautions for the fact that people aren't saving enough for the retirement. But when you go into China, they're having problems and it would be a lot better off. One of the ways they might address consumer spending is to increase the social safety net. So if people feel like they don't have to save as much, then they can get them to spend more. So consumer spending drives an economy. Well, 
I don't think consumer spending drove Chinese economy probably till recent years. What drove Chinese economy was manufacturing. When all the manufacturer went to China, when WTO, you know, they joined the WTO, and then people started using China to manufacture other goods, what you're saying is, okay, it's not necessarily people save less, but here's my problem. You know, we always joke about it. In the United States, one person make money, they spend like five people earning. In China or in any Asian country, really, it's five people will make money in the household, but they only spend like there's one person living there, right? Mm-hmm. Save to, to save money is a culture thing. It's not, you know, what drives the economy. Chinese people traditionally want to make sure they have plenty of saving. And traditionally, there was never safety net in China for anybody. So that's why, you know, you have to take care of your elderly parents. It's a culture thing because there is no safety net in China ever. Well, but, all I'm saying is they're looking at different options to, for them but, to help. That might be something that they can do to help. Uh, but here, what I, what I want to tell you, you said, well, consumer drives the economy. Well, you don't, in the United States, there's no manufacturer to support that economy. You have all low, most of the low-skilled worker. I'll tell you something was really interesting. I went to all these. So would it be a good thing to bring chip manufacturing here? I think they should bring a lot of manufacturer back. So that would be a yes. It's a good Absolutely. Thing. So okay. what I, they, they should so bring. So you don't disagree that that's a good program to have? I no, I don't. I don't disagree with the program, but I like to see exactly where the money is going to go eventually, and whether it's going to be used at the right thing. They, when the government come up with the program, well, and then the other thing is, will will subsequent presidents, you know, Congresses, will they keep it going? Because well, that's one of the issues we have is we have such short election cycles here that some of these programs we get started, you know, the next president comes in and they shut everything down. Look at the Inflation Reduction Act. Wow. They reduce inflation. Go, go back and watch uh, my commentary from day one. I said there's nothing in it there's that's in to it. reduce inflation. Right. So, and how did I know that? By looking at the economics. I looked at what was in the bill, and it was basically spending. And I saw nothing that could possibly reduce inflation. And now even Biden comes out and says, well, we never should have named we'll it never that. Never named it that. Exactly. Well, they, they well, sold it to the American people like that. Well, but again, if someone if someone had if you just listen to the label, that's a headline. That's a TV news thing. And they say, oh, why wouldn't you sign an Inflation Reduction Act? You don't want right. the re- inflation to go down. Well, that's the way it's sold to the American people. But if you read what's in the act and you understand a little bit about economics, then you go, well, wait a minute. There's no mechanism in here to reduce inflation. If anything, it might increase inflation because it's increasing government spending. So so this is when I want to go back to Trump's genius foreign policy when it comes to trade and consumerism. What he essentially did, and I wish he would have been able to finish it, is he was diverting manufacturing instead of going to China he was trying to get them into Vietnam Philippines right. even Mexico right because mm-hmm. if you will provide Mexico with manufacturing that's our ally that's our neighbor you reduce the amount of migrant that's coming in you help Mexico's economy and in turn it will help us directly you help China's economy you're not helping United States and to bring manufacture back to United States after we have 
giving that away for the past two to three decades, do we even have the infrastructure and how expensive that would be to bring it back? So when Trump did it, it said, okay, let's take that away from China, give it to other smaller countries that's our ally, we get a cheaper deal, and meanwhile, I'm tax- taxing China to death. So that was a genius foreign policy move yeah. on his side. Now, Well, uh, and, but how did he do that? I mean, the, the, the government in the United States doesn't say, we're going to take from you and give to you, because that's all private industry. That's all private business. Because he said, bring your money back. We're not going to tax you. Remember, he had a billion dollar, he had an incentive, tax incentive yep. for people to bring that back. And he started, what, what else did he start? And I truly believe I may be concerned. Remember, I already Hong- mentioned it in my economic talk, but go on. What is it? But Hong Kong, remember, Hong Kong was protesting. And there was a ton of protests yep. in China. If China was a huge mess. So. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to put money in a country when they feel like politically it's shaky. So they took a lot of the money came back to United tariffs. States. Tariffs, too. That's, that's what started the reduction in Chinese imports. I already said that, that it had started under Trump. And then COVID accelerated it because China kept their country locked down. And that's an important understanding for us to have because... They're already talking now about another wave of COVID with an election season coming up. The people cannot stand for any more lockdowns. Because let me tell you what else I learned in my economic research, okay? when whatever, For whatever reason, China decided to do these lockdowns, okay? They knew they were hurting their economy. It was in their interest to get the rest of the world to shut down to even the playing field. Because if China shut down and the rest of the country stayed open, all of their exports would go to other countries because other countries have to continue to operate and run. So the World Health Organization, when China did their lockdowns, the head of the World Health Organization called them human rights abuses. They condemned the lockdowns. China invited him to their country. You didn't hear word from him for like a week or two. Then he came back praising China, praising their lockdowns. It's the way to go. Then Italy had their outbreak. The World Health Organization and Chinese officials went to Italy and orchestrated their lockdown, and then that became the model for the entire world. But China screwed themselves even more because when the rest of the world opened China's zero COVID policy, they prevented people from developing natural immunity and because they kept everybody locked down. So even as far as December of last year, they were having large amounts of death from people with COVID because they didn't have natural immunity. And they probably were dealing with older strains of the virus because they kept everything locked down. But they also hurt themselves. So right now, Chinese exports to the United States are at a 20-year low. That means those products have gone somewhere else. How stupid are the world leaders if they decide to lock it down because of China? Exactly. Right. How stupid are they? Right. So we should have never locked it down. And, you know, Trump is part of that. So that was stupid. That's by the way, Sherry, I want to stay on that. That's some lesson we have to learn. And it disturbs me that that's there's nobody talking about. Let's look at what we did and talk about what's good and what's bad. I mean, they're acting as though everything did was right. And we're 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 susceptible to it again. The only person that did not lock it down was DeSantis. He kept Florida open and Florida's economy thrived. He did start that way. I know because my daughter 
Carter went to Florida to get away from here. He yeah. didn't actually lock Florida down, but he prevented people from coming in. But by the time everyone, the scientists, started to realize this thing wasn't what we thought it was, the death rate wasn't as high, he opened everything back up. And you're right. He took a lot of heat for that. But and then t- I, my understanding, I talked to somebody from Texas and they're like, yeah, we didn't lock Texas didn't get locked right. down. So how stupid is are the, all the world leaders to to say, you know, because China can tell you to lock it down, but it's up to your country to decide. Right. So why are we listening to China to begin with? As wow. far as natural immunity. And I can tell you about natural immunity in China before covid for many, many years, because this one-child policy in China, mm-hmm. everybody's so worried about their kids getting sick, there was already a problem with natural immunity in China because overuse antibiotics. Rather than if you get a flu, if you get a cold, have your body naturally recover, go through the sickness, they immediately say, get on antibiotics. It's all by injection. So... Yeah, your body, I mean, I can tell you why I know this. I was in China with my husband then, and I got sick. And they gave me multiple antibiotic injections. I mean, I'm getting driven over an hour, okay? And I was the most unhealthy in my entire life for that one year. I couldn't eat, I couldn't poop, I couldn't fart. I mean, it was just terrible. (laughs) I'm not... It's, it's funny. All the indicators, right? All the indicators. So if I would, if my body would have naturally, because I went to this very cold climate, right? I have been exposed to things I've never been exposed to. Instead of giving me antibiotics, they, I probably should have chicken soup, and then just let my body go through the cycle, I would have developed natural immunity. But what they did is they took an antibiotic, they killed everything. That was. 20 years ago, I was 22 years old. At that time, my father said, yes, it was overuse of antibiotics. And that's all. That's how they treat everything. So if you think about over the 20 years, they're using all these antibiotics and they're using their animals and the pollutions in China, the ocean and all that stuff, that caused the Chinese people's health was their health is in great decline versus when we're growing up, we were eating dirt. Uh, I mean, the south side of the road, we're picking grass on the side of the road, not wash them, just pick it up, eat it. Did we get sick? Yes, we did. Did they have medicine to treat us? No, they didn't. Guess what? We survived. We lived. So that is the problem with China is starting from central planning with the one child policy. You have more men than women. I mean, it, there was multiple social issues in China. As far as youth unemployment concern, a lot of parents, just same thing as here, right? I have one child. There's no way this kid is going to manufacturing job. There's no way this child, I'm going to get them through college. They need to be managers and whatever. Uh, there's only so many top executive position open. You need people to work the lower skilled jobs. But when you have one child, your whole entire hope is on this kid, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and I walk into Aldi's the other day, by the way. So they were talking about, in the United States, raising minimum wage, right? Minimum wage. So you have to now hire people. You have to pay them $15, $18 right out the gate. 
I went to Aldi's at Shaler Plaza the other day. It was one cashier, eight self-checkout. That's, that is at least three cashier job eliminated. And right. we're going to see more and more of that <laughs> automation. Now, in China, it's the same thing. Now they have robots. They would deliver dishes from the kitchen to your table. Mm-hmm. That is going to happen here. So I think we're this raising minimum wage, less population, young population that's willing to work is going to cause a lot of problem. That is a problem the whole world need to figure this out, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I do believe China let old people die because there's too many old people and they just can't afford it. Yeah, I mean, that that's just a natural pragmatic thing to do if you eliminate human rights and you know, make it all yeah. about the collective, sure. Well, China never had human rights. I mean, when when in the history of Chinese history of 5,000 years that there was uh, human rights, there was democracy? Your truth bomb just fell, by the I way. I know. Yeah. Drop the bomb. Drop the truth bomb. <laughs> Mic drop, truth bomb drop. That was, hey, one, thing, that was I, one thing I want to say. Um, you know, we're going to talk about the next show because you haven't watched Tucker Carlson interview with Trump. Right. I'm not. Let's not talk about that since you okay. haven't watched it. Yeah. Let me mention one thing since you mentioned uh, automation, robotics. I don't know if you're familiar with Craftsman Tools. So the big I'm deal. Familiar. I don't use it, but I'm familiar. <laughs> well. The big deal in, in the U.S., this goes all the way back to the uh, 70s and before, was American-made steel, American-made tools. So right. craftsmen were better tools than what was coming out of Japan and China. So they were sort of the mechanics, home mechanics gold standard. They're real high-end, expensive stuff, snap-on Mac tools. But when... Uh, Sears, before Sears got in, closed down, they shifted their manufacturing over to China. So okay. the mechanics, hardcore, you know, working man said they're junk, they're Chinese made. Well, the, the tool quality did improve. They got better. Um, and it's China. So now most of the tools are still made in China, but they're, you know, guaranteed for life and things like that. Well, Stanley, who owns Craftsman, made a decision. We're bringing Craftsman back to the United States. USA, it says right on here, forged in Texas, USA made. So their plan was to build a factory, fully automated tools forge factory, and that way they could get the manufactured costs down to a level that, you know, offshoring would do. And then we can now have American-made craftsman tools. So I was reading an article about this, and, you know, the article to me got it all wrong. The headline and what the article said was the, they closed this factory down. They said that they couldn't get it to work. You know, they couldn't solve all the problems that, you know, they ran into. So basically it was a failure of technology, engineers, that type of thing. But if you read the rest of the story, what really happened was because of the pandemic, Stanley Craftsman got into some serious economic problems. Their, their, Their sales plummeted. They had to start cutting costs all over the place. And this is a big expense. So... Yes, it took longer. It was taking longer to get this factory working, but they they pulled the plug on it. So they completely shut it down, and now the factory sits in Texas for sale. It's probably going to go to somebody for pennies on the dollar. But 
the way this, the news presented it was it was a failure of our technology, of our engineering, and of our craftsmen to, to get this factory working. And that's completely false. If you read the whole article, what you find out is it was a financial decision by the company. They pulled the plug on it. They had too much, too much money was being poured into it. They were losing profitability heavily, and they just had to cut operations, and that was one of the ones they cut. So... <laughs> The reason I have it is they did they did ship some of the ratchet sets and I went I actually went to Lowe's and bought some for myself. So I have recently made in USA Craftsman Tools, which you know has something that hasn't been in existence since about the seventies. But think about it. So let's just say if this factory is um, successful and is completely automated, right? How many people are they going to employ? So, yeah, yeah. bring the manufacturer costs down. We also eliminating employing a lot of people. So when people are not being employed and they're replaced by robots and AIs, so what kind of in five to ten years? This is going very quickly, right? Because we started with a couple of giant ego have self self checkout, and the self checkout is just four stations. Now you go into Giant Eagle, they develop into more and more and more stations. So just that industry alone, you eliminate a lot of people to get hired. Now they're coming up with robot can flip 400 burgers. Well, and sure, an AI. But, I mean, that's how, that's how, throughout history, that's how economies have gone. I mean, you have automation. So the people that would be employed by this would be higher end, uh, people that understand. They had experts in forging tools because in order to, to develop machines to do it, you have to know how to do it by right. hand. Um, but, you know, people to maintain the equipment. So for the amount of tools they would put out, if you go back 50 years, they would have employed an army of people. It would be a very small number, relatively speaking, but these would be higher end, higher paying jobs, too. I mean, I personally like the self checkout. <laughs> Maybe I'm a bad guy. I'm not. I'm not anti-worker. I just like to bag my own stuff. <laughs> no, I like self-checkout because I hate when I go to a register to check out. And, you know, the thing is, like, you know, some people are super friendly. I'm not in there for a check. Check my mm -hmm. shit out. Let me get out of here. But some people, oh, how are you today? I know I'm not having a conversation with the cashier. So when I go to grocery store, I do self-checkout because I'm fast. I can do this on my own. I get in, I get out. I do not have to interact with Anyone. I agree. So I love that. And I, I buy for my father and myself at the same time. I can separate them when I bag them. And, I don't have to so. talk to anybody. I mean, I hate going to like these super friendly cashiers. <laughs> I just want to check like, out. Yeah. They, they're gonna, they ask about, oh, how are you doing today? Oh, they, they want to tell you their story. I don't care. Check me out. Let me be gone. Well, Aldi... Now, I don't know where their pay rate is now, but before the Trump economy, they were significantly higher pay, hourly pay than other people. But they didn't have just cashiers. If you were an Aldi employee, you had to do everything. So, you know, you, you brought the stock out, you managed the, the shelf. So when I would go into Aldi, the, the cashier would actually be working out on the floor doing stock. And when you went up to the checkout, they would come over then and sit down and check out. So... On a busy day, they might bring two people. But again, those two people did all, they were the only ones in the store and they did everything it took to run the store. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they've added self checkout, that's just 
allow them to bring, you know, check out more people, have more customers, but obviously with less, you know, employees. So yeah. they always ran oper- ran their operation with a, a model that allowed them to have less employees. Yeah, very lean operation. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where everything's going. But, um, but I, I, you know, that can be bad. That can cause problems for people, you know, like AI and things like that, replacing jobs. But, you know, I mean, at some point you have to embrace it. And you have to ask yourself, is it better to, to go over to China and take advantage of really low price labor or to bring it back here, have it automated, have those not only those employees, but all the services and companies that service those machines and maintain them and the utilities and taxes that they pay and, you know, all of that. I mean, you know, it's still better to have an automated factory in the U.S. than it is to be manufacturing offshore. Well, when I was watching the Chinese news, they do show a lot of fully automated manufacturing. Actually, oh, they're, yeah. they're eliminate jobs over there right. because the Chinese, as they're living a standard got higher, and they're like, we brought 680 million right. people out of poverty. Well, the other 900 million go like, well, we need more money. <laughs> and so... Um, well, and that actually precipitated even Trump's policies and and tariffs and things yeah because as as they you know they start off with really low pay scale but as you start lifting the cost of living even when i was still working uh we were facing that issue where we were getting uh you know because it's cheaper to manufacture but then the quality issues we had to deal with with such a far distance and the shipping and the time it took you know it was getting to a point where your companies were starting to question did it make sense yeah. You know, so then, of course, you throw in Trump's policies and then the COVID interruption and everything, and it just totally shifted everything. So I understand the uh, the TSA is going to start mandate mask again uh, and starting September 1st because supposedly it's coming from Canada. So I'm thinking, I guess, the COVID schedule to arrive to the United States by September 1st. And then um, some people think it, by October we'll have another lockdown. It's a pre practice for the 2024 election season. We, it's we interesting. That, it's inter- I don't think anybody will comply this time. I personally will not do any changes for a lockdown, but if they shut business down, that's what my concern is. They shut down the economy. You know, yourself, too. I mean, we'll- I'm not sure how many bars and restaurants will actually comply this time, because the state are not going to be able to afford it. I mean, think about the, the, the Allegheny County lost millions of alcohol tax. The state lost millions of sales yeah. tax from bars and restaurants. You think they can afford it? They can't afford it. They're not no. going to be able to shut us down because the government can't afford to shut us down. So I'd be happy to get paid and go walk my dogs every day. But, I mean, come Then you on. pay for it in inflation later. Exactly. So what's the point? Yeah, it concerns me. Um, you know, I'm not getting alarmed yet, but when I start hearing the talk, it, it concerns me. Yeah. So, all right, well. Hey, thanks for the spirited discussion. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're on the debate stage. I'm Nikki Haley. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, <laughs> the debate after the debate. Yeah, this is the debate. It's me, Nikki Haley, against men. I love men. 
I love all the, you know, I, want, I just want to put this out there for all the women, right? She said, if you, if you want to hear somebody talk, ask a man. If you want to get something done, ask a woman. You, when I said that to you, laugh about it. But I'm going to tell you, you go to a, if you can be a fly on the wall to when girls night out, um, that most women will relate to that. Is it true, though? I mean, because, uh, you know, among men, there's this thing where women talk too much. <laughs> I just want to be quiet. Why does she keep talking to me? Yeah, well, you mean uh, some women feels the same way. If you go, I mean, did your wife, does your wife probably tells you, you know, I need to have my quiet. I mean, I always say I need to have my quiet time. Um, even Not my so son, much. I, want, I love my quiet time. So, so do I. You, you get to all the women together, they'll be but like, oh, my God. I think Nikki Haley's saying comes from, like, work, the workplace, you know, and maybe even around the home, you know, where there's yeah. projects where men talk about the work that needs to be done and women but do it. I, I think that's where it comes from. Yeah, or, you know what, there's a dishwasher, but you put the, like— there's a, there's a sink, and right next to the sink, there's always a dishwasher. But somehow, that glass, that bowl can never make it from the sink to the dishwasher. Or if the dishwasher is done, somehow the dishwasher just does not get unloaded. I think those are the things that women When you bring about. up those issues, I'm the woman of the house. <laughs> well, you know, my wife's still working, and I'm not, so I naturally start doing everything. But even when we were both working, I have I have this thing. I, I think... The dishwasher should always contain dirty dishes, right? right? So, in other words, when it's finished, they're clean, put them away. Exactly. And then as you can put dirty dishes in the dishwasher, that way we don't have dirty dishes out everywhere. Right. You know, people are lazy. You know, nobody wants to put the clean away, so you end up with dirty dishes everywhere. And until when that gets to be too unwieldy, then at the last resort, you put away the clean ones and then load it. It's it's silly. I'm like, I don't want to look at dirty dishes. Just put them away. (laughs) Yeah. So every morning I wake up and I put the dishes away. And I actually timed myself to see how long it takes. Even a very full dishwasher is right around five minutes. So that's what I say now. I go, it takes five minutes. That's all it takes. You're talking, oh, I didn't have time. Five minutes. Try it. The people that think it's too hard. Engineering of you. (laughs) What's that? Engineering of you. (laughs) You got me going. Uh, Yeah. I do laundry. Oh, yeah. Well, and then I have like my son, you know, we our dogs would drag all the dirty laundry into over the living room, whatever. I'd be like, well, can we just all pick it up? After a while, I'm like, I'm not picking it up. You're not picking. None of us are picking anything. (laughs) Well, okay, I know we're over, but I bought a robot vacuum cleaner. Life changer. Okay, but the problem is you have to pick your stuff up. <laughs> you can't have like clothes spread around. Exactly. But these things are amazing. The one with Vision AI that I didn't have to teach it anything. I just set up the app, you know, turned it on. It went around and it learned all the rooms all on its own. Wow, it's amazing, and it's just every day, and it does a great job. Every day, our to- our floors get uh, vacuumed. And I don't have. I need. I'm. I'm waiting for a lawnmower. I'm waiting for a Vision AI lawnmower, so I can do the same thing. I'm waiting for Rosie. Rosie. Oh, from Jetsons. Yeah. You remember like, Jetsons? All yeah, right. Yeah. I want. My, I want a Rosie. <laughs> you are Rosie. So am I. Yeah. I want a Rosie. 
So, all right. Well, this was fun. All right. And, Thanks, uh, Sherry. And the next one we're going to talk about. We're still Trump. friends, right? Yeah. Okay. Why are we? <laughs> you said your mom told you you had thick skin. I not you know, and I don't want to get sexist or anything here, but a lot of women don't have thick skin. <laughs> no, I have very thick skin, and okay. I don't care about a lot of little things. As I guess a, a lot of, of men that, don't too. I worked uh, so one of my employees years and years ago. He is a he's a gay man. He's a you know he's a drag queen. He performs and everything. And then at one point he said to me, he said. You're not like a woman. I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "You're just not like, like a, like a woman." I'm like, "What? Am I not sensitive enough? Not this? Not that?" It's like, "Yeah, you, you like, you're like a guy." I'm like, "I guess in some ways I am. I'm not cleany. I don't get mad. I take nothing personal." <laughs> so we're good. <laughs> All right. So you're more of a guy. Gotcha. Well, you know, no, you know what that is. That just. People are all people are different. All people, you know, are sure. There's some things are more common in men and women and black people, but you know, everybody's unique. You yeah, know? it's just that that's one of the that's one of the flaws in all this identity politics and exactly. one of the sad parts. It diminishes our uniqueness for sure. Exactly. I mean, I know a lot of women like me. My the pe- women I'm friends with, they all like me. So you know, and. Uh, we're not gay either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sherry. Have a great one. Have a good have weekend. A good one. Uh, good one.